this has been something that has been quite difficult for me as somebody with a background in marketing to go around a, a wedding fair where people are literally saying, come and buy from me. And they are dreadful. They are so boring. And and you're looking at all these stalls thinking, even the stall holders look bored. Like, why, why should I come and speak to you? I'm Becca Poutney, wedding business marketing expert, speaker and blogger, and you're listening to the Wedding Pros Who Are Ready To Grow podcast. I'm here to share with you actionable tips, strategies and real life examples to help you take your wedding business to the next level. If you are an ambitious wedding business owner that wants to take your passion and use it to build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get going with today's episode. Today's guest is someone that I love to work with. She's so much fun and always has a lot to teach you all, which is why I invite her back again and again into my world. She's the queen of all things gamification, Kimber Cooper. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, a lovely intro. Thank you so much. I love working with you too. I'm so glad to be back. I love working with your audiences. They are, yeah, just brilliant people. And yeah, I can't, I'm so excited to be here. Well, Kimba, everyone in my world absolutely loves you. And I'm sure people that don't know you yet will love you too. So why don't you start by just telling people who haven't come across you before who you are and what you do? So I do something called gamification. And some of your audience probably won't know what that is. So I'm best starting off by telling them what that is. So if you've ever played a game, if you've ever played a sport, so everything from tiddlywinks to chess or cricket or conkers or mobile games, there are things built into those games that motivate you to keep playing, even when you don't want to, even when it's hard, even when um, it's boring to get to that next level or beat your opponent or whatever that might be. And what I do is I take those things that make games so compelling and put them into non-game settings so that you can get better results. So that's gamification and that's what I do. I have found it so interesting since you've been talking about gamification and I've listened to a couple of your sessions, you start seeing it absolutely everywhere in the world. You don't realize it's a thing. And then once you know that gamification is a thing, you start seeing it everywhere, don't you? you? Do you find that yourself? Oh my gosh. So it's one of those things that people tend to say to me, now I know what it is. I didn't realise there was a word for it. I see it everywhere. Um, And it is everywhere. It's been around for 20 years. And you'll start seeing it in marketing. You'll start seeing it on the TV. You'll start seeing it in your apps. Pretty much every app you download nowadays will have some sort of gamification in it to get you to progress or complete something or take an action. Yeah, it's, it's literally everywhere. It's so much fun. And I have taken inspiration from you, Kimba. I'm always seeing what you're doing and getting inspired by your ideas. So I've got to admit, in my recent Pinterest challenge, I did a Pinterest prize board because I'd seen that you'd done a prize board before and everybody loves it. So thank you for inspiring me as well. Oh, amazing. That's so good to hear. I I want to see it. You'll have to show me afterwards. Yeah, I definitely will. Now, before we go deep diving into gamification, I want to talk to you about your upcoming wedding. Now, me and Kimber, like I said, we've crossed paths for the last couple of years. Now, Kimber started talking about planning her wedding way back in like 2019, 2020 to me. And it's finally coming up soon, isn't it, Kimber? Yay, seven weeks today. Um, actually, not today, but on Friday. But yeah, it's very, very soon. And it's I've got to a point in the planning now where everything's starting to come into place. It's all starting to settle because there's a bit of a period with wedding planning, isn't there, where it's like, 
I don't know how this is all going to work, but now we're getting to the exciting part. I can't wait to see the pictures. Now, because we love having potential couples and brides and grooms on my show, it's a really good opportunity for me to ask you about your wedding planning process, because I'm sure there's some tips that you've got and you've learned through going through this process that can help the wedding pros who are listening. So is there anything that you found as you've gone through your wedding planning journey that's either frustrated you or has been really helpful to you, which would help the wedding pros as they're running their businesses? I mean, most of the wedding suppliers that I've come across, um, they don't have a good website. That's been quite difficult. So finding out prices or whatever has been difficult or their contact forms don't work. I found that quite a bit. So check your contact forms because just because it's there doesn't mean it necessarily works. Um, And letting people know, so we talked about this briefly beforehand, letting people know whether their data is secured or not. Um, I might have made a mistake in thinking that a moon gate that I thought was secured was secured because we discussed the dates and it was all in the diary. And then I went to pay them for it and they told me the date had gone. So that was quite stressful. Um, So yeah, just let people know what your processes are. I've actually found that with um, hair and makeup people as well. Um, I'm like, okay, so I feel like we're getting to the point where I need to give you some money. And it's almost like I'm having to force them to give me a quote. Like it's, come on, come on. You know, it's, um, it would be much easier if they just offered that information straight away. In my experience, wedding professionals just hate selling. They're so scared of selling (laughs) that they do everything but sell. But you're saying, sell to me more. Tell me the processes and just take some money. Just give me the information because I want, I want your services. I've come to the point. I've asked all my questions now. Now it's your time to go, right, book in. And it's, you know, if they don't want to, they'll either say no or they'll just ignore you. So what harm is it in asking the question? Administration seems to come up a lot as well. I spoke with Rachel about her wedding planning recently back in episode 10. And the thing that she found was how poor people's administration skills were when it came to the wedding businesses and how they didn't keep track of contracts and they didn't seem to keep track of payment and that kind of thing. So being on top of your admin and asking for the sale is what you need to be doing. Yes, Giver? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Amazing. Okay, let's get back onto gamification. Otherwise, we could talk about wedding planning all day. So we know what gamification is. Are you able to give me a few examples of where we would see gamification in our day-to-day life? Yeah, so we've talked about this briefly before, but I don't think I've ever actually spoken to your audience about it. So I want to talk a little bit about wedding fairs. Yes. And how you can take some examples from gamification world and pop them into wedding fairs. So before I jump into that, I want to talk to you about why, if this is okay, why gamification is so important for wedding experts, wedding industry professionals. I did a a quick Google search because I already knew this beforehand, but you might assume that games are something that attracts young men, right? That's the assumption. But there have been reports, and this is in the UK, Um, that 50% of the people who say that they game regularly are women. Now, they might not say that they are gamers because they're playing things like Wordle or Farmville or whatever, so they might not think of themselves as a traditional gamer, but they are playing games every day, some of them, a lot of them, most days. Um, And it's higher in other countries, but even in the UK, that's a massive amount. And what, what was the demographics? It was something like... 61% of the females who said that they played regularly were under 45. Now, I'm going to put a massive assumption out there that that's your target market. Is that? Yeah. Right? Generally, generally. 
Yeah, so obviously I, I did a quick Google as well around um, the average age of people that get married in the UK. And in 2018, the average age of opposite sex couples was 38.1 years for men or 35.8 years for women, which was a surprise to me. And then same sex couples, the average ages were 40.4% years um, and 36.9% years respectively. So under 40s, basically, and under 40s are gamers in the UK. Um, like that's just a thing. So if you're not using games in your marketing, you could be missing out on something that would be really, really useful for you. Um, in fact, I might as well ask you, I know you're supposed to be asking me the questions, but I might as well ask you, do you play any games? I actually do so I really like Wordle I've been playing that but not only do I play Wordle now every night I play Wordle then Quordle then Octordle then Sedacordle and then Global like an absolute loser but I am um, I love it. it it really keeps my brain ticking over and I enjoy doing that it's better for me than just scrolling Facebook exactly so if you can if if you can capture those people who are playing games anyway by bringing them in with marketing gamification in your marketing then why not so um on to the the dreaded subject of wedding fairs this has been something that has been quite difficult for me as somebody with a background in marketing to go around a, a wedding fair where people are literally saying come and buy from me and they are dreadful they are so boring and and you're looking at all these stalls thinking even the stall holders look bored like why why should i come and speak to you so let me give you some helpful things that you might find helpful. And some of these are a little bit silly, but you know, it's what it is. Take what you want from it. So the examples of things you might have seen in the past. If you've been to a Christmas fair, you will have seen Guess the Name of the Teddy. Okay, you will have seen that. And the idea behind this is you pay a quid and you guess the name of the teddy. And the stall holder will, of course, have put enough slots together to more than cover the cost of the teddy. But a smart stall holder will also sell those teddies because then you can buy one if you if you don't want to play or if you don't win. But they're not doing the game to make money on the game. They're doing it to get you to their stall so that you'll look at other things and buy other things. Same with countless sweets. Now, you might be thinking, well, how can I apply that to a wedding? I don't understand. That's not relevant to me. I get it. So how you'll have seen the most common one at wedding fairs is give us your email address for a chance to win a prize now people are going to go oh i don't want to give you my email address because you're going to spam me and i've not even met you yet oh i'm not sure about this so why not do something that's a bit more physical and they can give you their email address if they want to at the end so the game that I came up with before I came on this podcast, I can't believe I'm actually sharing this, it's hilarious. I was like, how can you come up with something a bit more physical that's going to attract a bit more attention that you could do quite simply? So you know those hoopla games that you get where there's a board of pegs and you do a hoopla? Let's say you sell wedding rings. You could decorate that so that the pegs look like fingers and the hoopla looks like a wedding ring. And you... Big, make a big board at the top that says put a ring on it or you make your own pegboard which looks like a hand sticking up and they have to get the ring on the ring finger you could do something like that it's a bit silly it attracts attention to your stand and then to make sure it works because you've actually got to get people to play and that's part of the problem is people are nervous they're looking around I don't know which stall I want to go to 
get your friends or somebody you know to come around like once an hour and loudly play this game because that will attract attention. People will then flock to your thing to watch them playing. Have they won? Haven't they won? Like it's a silly idea, but it's on brand, for want of a better phrase, with what you're selling. It's going to attract attention and it's going to make people want to flock to your store to see what you're doing. Yes, I absolutely love that. If anyone has been in my world anytime, they will know that I also find wedding fairs incredibly boring and I'm on a mission to make them more interesting and more interactive. And I always say you want to be the stool that stands out from everyone else. And I can promise you, if you have a giant hand where people are throwing (laughs) rings at it, you will be the person that stands out out but the point is people are having fun because I I don't know if it's your experience Kimber but I find that couples want to go to these wedding fairs and in their head they think it's going to be a really fun day out but the reality Mm -hmm. is it's just a load of people boring stood behind their stools trying to sell them stuff whereas if you can make it an experience you can make it fun then they will absolutely remember you now I do make sure that all my wedding supplies are collecting email addresses so how could they do that as part of the gamification well in that example you could say they play the game and then in order to get their prize they give you their email address or whatever um the other example that i came up with because i was i was so excited for this podcast right so um you could steal basically steal game ideas from other industries so my friend came back from a pub once and said that um whenever anyone was buying drinks at the bar they had a big spin the wheel behind the Um, counter and they basically said it's up to you if you want to spin the wheel or not it has some positive things on it and some negatives so some positives were things like you get your drinks for free or um, some of the other things were like uh, you have to buy the barman a drink or you have to pay double for your drinks or you get a free pint glass things like that and I think he came back with a free pint glass and he said that everybody was taking part in this game even though there was potential risks and negative consequences because it was so much fun. Now, you could adapt that easily um, to a wedding situation where you could give them away a bottle of Prosecco or a 10% discount on, on your services or whatever. And you can make a big deal out of it. You could do like big, mu- you could play music whenever somebody's spinning it. You could, you know, get get some, um, is it called canned laughter? Or canned like oohs and ahs as it's going around, anything to attract them over. But you could just get them to put their email address in and like give give me your email address and then you can have a go on the spin the wheel. Like really simple. Um, you can opt into whatever you want. Just give them, obviously, from a GDPR perspective, you need to give them that option. Um, but there's so many things you can do that aren't just put your email address into this into this um, clipboard and, and, and you might win a bottle of Prosecco. Like make it more interactive, make it more fun, make it bigger, make you stand out and yeah. Think about their their experience. They're there for fun. Like, make it fun. Spin the wheel sounds like so much fun. If anyone listening to this takes us up on this and makes a spin the wheel, please take a photo and tag both me and Kimber in it because I know <laughs> it would make us so happy and we would love to see it. Kimber, I'm going to let you into a secret that when I back in the day when I used to do wedding fairs myself, there was this one time when I did actually run a game and people thought I was crazy. So I had these playing cards and I was basically, I had like... I think it was like queen, jack, king or ace won a prize. And I just had a whole line of playing cards and I just fanned them out and people could come and pick a card. And if they picked one of those things, they got like an instant win prize, a suite or a discount voucher. But honestly, the other stool holders, I think they looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. But I didn't care because more people were 
were coming to my stand than anywhere else because it was much more interesting. And obviously the chance of winning was quite low in a sense because, you know, there's 52 cards or whatever and there wasn't that many chances to win. But people just enjoyed taking part and I didn't charge them to take part. I just did that classic thing of saying, give me your email address uh, so you can find out more about me and then you can take part. So you know I'm a secret gamification lover. And uh, yeah, I've, I've paved the way, everyone. So be brave and get out to those wedding shows and make a difference. Um, have you got any other tips regarding wedding shows, Kimber, or should we move to online? Let's move. Let's move to online. I, I'm, I could talk about gamification in all areas all day long, but I've got some other things. So let's, yeah, let's move to online. Okay, so Instagram is a place where many wedding pros hang out all the time and we know that couples are hanging out there too. So how can they move these gamification ideas onto their Instagram profiles? Oh my gosh, there's so much you could do. Okay, so um, Instagram and just social media in general, it's really hard to stand out. Um, it's really hard to stop the scroll. Things keep changing all the time. And like we've already discussed, the people that you are trying to attract are on there scrolling anyway, and they like playing games. So you could play all sorts of games. Um, so simple things that you could do, uh, Instagram is a great example, is you could use the quiz function on stories or the polls function to educate your audience a bit about what you do, but also to play games with them um, and also to do market research. So you could use polls to be like, would you prefer like, Let's say you're a cake maker, wedding cake maker. Um, this season's flavors are this one, this one, and this one. Which one do you think we should bring out next? Um, you could do all sorts of things like that to get those people engaged and interested because if they voted for the one that you bring out, they're probably more likely to buy from you than if they didn't. There's so much fun you can do with that kind of stuff. Um, and you can play those games in your feed as well. It doesn't have to, if you're not a stories person, it can be in your feed as well. And it can be as simple as giving them multiple choice answers, things that will be as quick as possible, rather than expecting people to answer a really deep, meaningful question, give them A, B, C, D options and let them just put an A, a B, a C or a D into the comments. Anything to get your engagement up is going to be good because then whatever platform you're on, the algorithm is going to show more of your posts to those people, which means that when you are selling, they're more likely to see what you're selling. Okay, so it doesn't have to be complicated. They don't have to go out and no. buy a spin the wheel if they don't want to. They can just do something on their Instagram. So what's the one, let's give everyone one simple thing that they could go out and do on their Instagram today to start getting this going. I think maybe the polls is probably the easiest option because there's poll functions in every every single social media platform, but in the stories, it's a good one. Um that's probably the easiest. You can use it to have fun. You can use it for market research. I'm trying to think if there's an easier thing that you could do um, to play games with them. Oh, fill in the blank. I love a fill in the blank. Oh, my gosh. So um, you could do something. I'm trying to think of a wedding example. Um, I'm looking forward to my wedding because... And then they have to use that, you know, the predictive text button in the middle of their phone. They have to complete the sentence with that. Something like that. It doesn't have to be my wedding. It could be um, the thing I'm look like, I feel like this about my wedding dress because, and then like 
fill in the blank. So something like that. We've actually brought out um, a bunch of templates. So if you're like, I, I'm not that creative in this area, um, we've brought out two sets of templates. So um, one for feed posts, so your normal posts, and one for your stories. There's 30 templates in each. They're in Canva, and they contain, I think, I can't remember whether it's five or six different types of games, and then different templates with each. And you can use those on your social media to get started. And they're very reasonable it's 35 quid for both packs if people are interested so how do people get those shall i just link to them in my show notes yeah that's probably the easiest way amazing so if you're interested if you don't have time to actually make these templates go and check out the templates that kimber's already made and i'll link to them in my show notes now kimber people might be listening to this and thinking well this is great becca and kimber having so much fun talking about games but how does this actually get me sales how does this actually get me customers so how does this gamification stuff move from just having fun and getting engagement into actually making money um, so you something you could do, and we were talking about collecting email addresses earlier, is use gamification in your lead magnets. So quizzes are really popular at the minute, and you could very easily create a quiz that attracts the right type of people. Um, and an idea that you could be, let's say that you have a wedding venue, you could create a quiz that is what kind of wedding venue suits you. And then you email them recommendations, obviously including your your own at the end, and you could team up with other local venues that have a different style to you and promote them at the end of the quiz as well. You could even ask them to pay for the advertising space if you're getting enough traffic. But what that does is it it kind of filters out the people who would definitely be interested in being at your venue and those who wouldn't. And then you've got their email address and you can send them stuff that follows up and turns into a sale. But you could do this at the, at, for anything. It doesn't have to be a wedding venue. You could do it for what kind of wedding cake should you pick? which means you know that those people are already interested in having a wedding cake. You're just funneling them down. And the only options you give them are ones that you sell. <laughs> what kind of flowers will work best um, with your theme? There's so many things that you could do. And by doing that, you're gathering their email addresses, you nurture them in your emails, and then you sell to them. Or they might even buy from you straight away after the quiz, to be honest. <laughs> Amazing. So it's definitely a way to make sales. It's not just a way to have fun. And it's definitely a way to start using and growing that email list. We talked earlier about how administration is a problem for quite a lot of wedding suppliers. Do you think there's any ways that people could gamify that part of the process? So once someone, a bride or a groom has actually booked with them, do you think there's a way they could gamify or make that more fun for their couple and to make sure they're keeping their admin on track for themselves? I that the problem that's been highlighted is that they're not keeping on track of it for themselves. So I would be tempted to gamify it for yourself. So I would be tempted. Now, one of my things that I don't like doing is emails. Answering emails is one of my big bugbears. Um, so but it's got to be done. Like you've got to do it. And so what I will do is I'll put a timer on for 10 minutes and I'll see how many emails I can answer in 10 minutes. And then the next time I will try and beat it. And if you give yourself a, um, what are they called? SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Like, I will get back to people within 24 hours. Um, you don't have to say that externally. Just say it to yourself and try and work towards that. Try and beat, beat your own goal. Try and get to a point where um, you're getting that on time. But you do that by saying, starting with, like, two days. I'm going to get back in two days. And give yourself a reward for when you do that for every couple that responds. 
And then I'm going to get back to everyone within 24 hours. And then I'm going to get back to everyone within 12 hours. The thing is, by not getting back to people within a certain time frame, they're just going to go to somebody else because they're going to think you haven't got their email or that you're too busy or that you're not interested. So it really is important to do this. And if you're not the kind of person who reacts well to rewards, give yourself the stick rather than the carrot and do the opposite. So if I don't do this, then X, Y, and Z will happen. So the, the best example I heard was somebody... Uh, giving their friend a check that was written to somebody that they hated. And if they didn't achieve X, Y, and Z by this date, their friend had to send this check to this person that they hated. And it's so silly and it's so ridiculous, but it made that person reach that goal. So if there is something in your admin that you're like, gosh, I'm just not gonna, I'm just, I can't achieve it. I always procrastinate. Either give yourself a reward or a punishment if you do or don't achieve it. Yeah, that's so true. And you see that, don't you? I'm just thinking of an example. You know, when you go through the drive through at Costa or Starbucks or any of those coffee shops, if you look through the window, often you can see those boards that the staff have got behind them about how long it is since you've given in your order to them delivering it. And they have to try and keep it in green. And if it goes to red, it means they're too slow. And I know that's probably a bit like the corporation getting at them. But I do think if that was me, that would motivate me to try and get as many of those drinks served in green as I possibly could. So this stuff obviously works for those big corporations. We should be doing it for ourselves as well, shouldn't we? So that's an interesting thing that you've just brought up there, actually, is um, consent and motivation. So um, some people say gamification is evil because you're manipulating people to do things that they don't want to do. And some people say in corporate settings, like you've just said, um, that that is micromanaging and if the staff didn't consent that it's kind of evil because it's um, in some settings they call it the electronic whip like you must go faster you must achieve this on time all that kind of stuff um, so if you are going to play games with your audience make sure that it's kind of by consent so by putting it out on your social media they consent just by taking part um, but yeah things like that internal gamification of staff you have to be careful with um, but the other comp the other thing that you said was about motivation so different people are motivated by different things so like you said for you that would be super motivating for other people that might be demotivating because they feel like they're never going to get to the green so what's the point anyway they might as well go as slow as possible so consider what kinds of people you're trying to attract and what might motivate them before putting their games together. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting point. I listened to you do a whole video on the morality of gamification, which I found really interesting because you gave some examples and then you asked people, do they think it was morally right or morally wrong? Are you happy to share one of those examples with us now so people can play that now? Yes. So we called it evil or not evil. <laughs> and um, obviously I played it like a game. So um, I'm going to try and discuss it without naming the company. Um, but it is available online if you wanted to Google it and figure it out for yourself. So there is a taxi app um, that you may or may not have heard of. And they have some software that they use. And you'll see this now if you use this company. Um, when you're in their taxi, fares will come up before they finish that fare. And it will say, if you take this fare, you will reach £20. But then when they take that one, they'll it'll say something like, if you take this next fare, you will get to 25% of what you got yesterday or something. These are just examples. Now, the thing is that these, uh, these suggestions don't end. So it's a moving goalpost. It's endless. And it's called, a, I think it's called a ludic loop. Um, so it's just constantly moving goalposts. And 
for some people, super motivating. And for some people, that's what they want. They want to reach those goals. They need that money because the kinds of people that this kind of company attracts to work for needs the money. So that's the question. Is that therefore evil because they really need the money? Or is it not evil because it's motivating? And I guess the question is there around consent. Did they consent to take part or not? Can they opt out of it? Um, That company does other things as well. So they give um, badges for things like best customer service or um, most polite person, things like that. And I've read at least one case study of a person who worked for that company who was basically earning nothing but loved the job because they had all these badges. And again, is that evil or not evil? It's, yeah, and and it's not for me to decide. It's a, it's a fun thing for you to consider. Absolutely. So think for yourself, do you think that's evil or not evil? Now, obviously, we've gone deep into gamification there. And for most of the wedding pros, the things they'll be doing won't be quite as enhanced as that. But it is important for us to think about the morality, the motivation, all those things, the consent, uh, and make sure that what we're doing is fun for people um, and not going too far down those routes. So I'm hoping that everyone's going to jump on their Instagram this afternoon and get one of these gamification posts out there. And if you do, please do tag myself, tag Kimber on it so that we can Mm -hmm. see what you're doing. I'm sure that we can both share them as well to show off what you're doing and have a think about those wedding shows. How could you make your stand at a wedding show a little bit less boring and a little bit more exciting? Now, before we finish, Kimber, there's one question I always end my podcast with, which is, is there anything in your business that you wish you'd known sooner? I think I think the biggest thing is that you can sell literally anything. So, um, you know, and some of your audience will know that I didn't always do gamification. Before this, I used to teach Instagram. And I, I, met, I came across so many businesses doing so many fascinating things that they were selling on Instagram. And I suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, you can literally sell anything. There will be a market for it. You can go as niche as you like. I mean, in, in my spare time, I'm, I'm a semi-professional hula hooper. And there are Facebook groups for hula hoopers with over 20,000 people in them. People are probably thinking, what? You can go as niche as you want and you'll be able to sell to people. I literally teach people how to make things into a game for a living, like you can do anything. It's amazing. Amazing. So be inspired. You don't need to follow the crowd and do what everyone else is doing. If there's something that you love and you want to do, then absolutely go for it. Kimber, it's been a pleasure as always. If people want to follow you or find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? We're at Kimber Digital everywhere. I spend most of my time on Instagram and Facebook, but anywhere that you're on socials, you can probably find us at Kimber Digital. And a friend of Kimber's is a friend of mine. So go find Kimber at Kimber Digital and connect with her. Kimber, I'm sure we'll speak again very soon. Thank you for coming and uh, take care. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to Kimber. Isn't she great? I hope you've walked away from today's episode with loads of inspiration and ideas about how you can add gamification or just a bit more excitement into your wedding business. If you loved Kimber, there is other training sessions that Kimber has run for me inside of my Wedding Pro Members Lounge. The Wedding Pro Members Lounge is the place for you to go if you want high level training, great connections and more access to me. All the details and how to join are in the show notes and you can go and watch further training and great inspiration from Kimber. I'll see you next time. One thing I love about the wedding industry is the other amazing people you get to work with. If you want to meet like-minded wedding pros just like you, 
then why not join my free Facebook community, Wedding Pros Who Are Ready to Grow. Come, meet some new connections, hang out with me, and hopefully learn some new things too. Just search for us on Facebook.